Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, and welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett. I'm the creator and host of The Last Symptom. I'm very happy to have you here with me this week. And uh, speaking of this week, how's your week going? I hope it's going well. And I hope that you're taking good care of yourself. hope you're treating yourself nice. I hope you're uh, being good to people, and that includes yourself. And uh, I'm just happy that we're all together here again. We can have a, a nice conversation about happiness. That's what we're going to talk about today. People not even knowing that they're not really happy. It's uh, not something you would expect to be, but it, it is a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. We're going to talk a lot about happiness. We're going to talk about the differences between happiness and contentment. We're going to talk about 20 tells that indicate that a person is not really happy, even if they think, even if they are convinced that they are happy. These 20 indicators uh, that we're going to talk about are evidence that they are not happy. Uh, We're also going to talk about, as I've said, people being unhappy and not even knowing that they're unhappy. You see it on social media all the time. And finally, we will talk about why the whys, why people, according to those 20 indicators, are not happy even if they believe that they are happy. So it's a nice long conversation today, got a lot of different parts, and uh, I think you're gonna enjoy it. Now, here's something I wanna tell you. The conversation that we're going to have today on the Last Symptom Podcast is a conversation I had with my Last Symptom community on the Locals platform just last week by means of my daily orange slices. What are these orange slices I keep talking about? Well, they are condensed video insights of real value. So you've heard me talking about these orange slices, and um, I wanted to give you a taste of them. I want you to see, it, you know, if if the information you get from the Last Symptom podcast is valuable to you, but you're not a part of the Last Symptom community on Locals so that you can take advantage of these daily orange slices, which are really short. I mean, uh, some of these episodes ran a little bit long because the, the information was really meaty. But typically, they're between three and eight minutes long. Yeah, who doesn't have that sort of time? So it's a nice uh, daily injection, I guess, of, of insight that the, you can then walk around with, uh, plan around with in your head. So it's a really beneficial feature that I offer 
through the last symptom. And uh, even if you're not a supporter there on Locals, you still get access to two of these daily orange slices every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you're a supporter, you get them every day of the working week, that is Monday to Friday. So without much ado, we're going to get into this discussion today about happiness and contentment. And uh, if you like the conversation, if you feel like you got you get something out of it, then it would be worth your time to join us on the Last Symptom community on, on Locals. Uh, it's very easy. You just go to thelastsymptom.locals.com. Uh, or you can download the Locals.com app and you can join that way. Probably the easiest way to access any of the resources I provide is just to go to my website. That's thelastsymptom.com. You're going to see there that I've got plenty of free resources. I've also got plenty of paid resources. And uh, they might be right down your alley or right down the alley of somebody that uh, you care about. So, those things are important. They support my work. They allow me to continue doing what I'm doing. And that's all I'll say about that this week. Um, well, I will mention the Last Symptom Fundamentals course. That is a, a two-week intensive program for those who are interested in authentically ridding themselves of emotional disorders, which includes borderline personality disorder, but it's not limited to borderline personality disorder. Uh, it's a fantastic program. Very, very few people who have ever taken the course have regretted doing so. Um, I think one, <laughs> one, maybe two people. But uh, I think that was more of a reflection on their readiness to hear certain things and uh, their motivations behind joining the course in the first place rather than anything else. Uh, it is superior to DBT because DBT focuses, focuses a lot on giving you a toolbox of superficial tricks to superficially approach symptoms and try to get through symptoms. Uh, that's not what the Last Symptom Fundamentals course is all about. The Last Symptom Fundamentals course is about revealing to you the fundamental causes and reasons why these issues that you're dealing with exist at all, how they got there, how you can get rid of them, understanding them inside and out, the very nature of what these things are. So uh, in that sense, it's just uh, it, there's nothing like it out there that I was ever exposed to in my own recovery. And uh, the program is built, of course, on the insights that I personally had to achieve in order to go from having borderline personality disorder to now having lived without it completely for years now. So uh, I put uh, a lot of heart and soul into it. Anyway, you can access that over at thelastsymptom.com. It's in the paid services tab. All right, folks, let's get into uh, today's conversation. You're going to hear it divided up into different days. There's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Each conversation centers around happiness, that is contentment, and uh, it's a nice full-bodied conversation. If you like, again, if, if you like what you hear, if you get something out of it, if you feel like it's beneficial to you, please join us over there at the Last Symptom community on the Locals platform. The links to that are in the free resources tab uh, 
over at thelastsymptom.com or again you can just go to thelastsymptom.locals.com to access it directly folks uh wonderful wonderful week i hope you're going to have and uh, i hope that this conversation today contributes to contributes to that hope you had a wonderful weekend i had a pretty good weekend i went to uh, cincinnati and saw a baseball game in cincinnati the reds played the uh, milwaukee brewers and the reds won the night that i was there which was really nice i got a and actually i got myself a new cap couldn't leave the ballpark without having a, a reds cap what do you think uh, i got a story about that my grandpa when i was a kid he said uh, hey brian do you like baseball and at the time i did not and i said uh, not really he said yes you do i said i do he said yeah what's your favorite team I said, uh, the Mets, like one of my friends at school, collected baseball cards, and I, and I knew that he was a big Mets fan, so I was just kind of imitating him. I didn't know what else to say. So I said, um, I like the Mets. And my grandpa said, no, you don't. You like the big red machine. So that would have been back in like 1980, 1979, 1980, 1981, right thereabouts during the big red machine. So I said, I, I do like the Reds. He said, yes, you do. So, uh, Grandpa, there you go. Ain't giving up the Phillies or the Red Sox, but let's talk this week about happiness and contentment. And in fact, today's discussion is going to spill into Tuesday, it's going to spill into Wednesday, and what I'd like to uh, encourage you to do is if you have questions that you would like to ask to contribute to this conversation, I mean, if you would like to present a question that then I can discuss in the orange slices this week. I'd like to encourage you to do that on Locals. But in this first part, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about the differences between contentment and happiness. You know, the gr great majority of the time when people are talking about happiness, what they're really talking about is contentment. They're not talking about happiness. They're talking about contentment. Well, what's the difference and why is it important to know the difference and make that distinction? Happiness is very fleeting. When people say, oh, I just want to be happy in life, what they're really talking about is contentment. You see, happiness is very fleeting. If I buy myself a new shirt, then I'm happy. I'm happy in the moment that I've got that shirt. I might even be happy later when I pull it out but it doesn't bring contentment to my life. An hour after I get the shirt, I can go into a restaurant and somebody can make me very angry. They can say, you oh, know, we don't have any seats for you. Or the waiting time to get into this restaurant is an hour and 45 minutes, as it's been lately around these parts because of just everybody wanting to get out after this pandemic. So your happiness, uh, which you thought you wanted so much, disappears pretty quick, doesn't it? It just kind of goes. And that's what happiness is. It comes and goes throughout the day. A good thing happens to me. I'm happy. The very next minute, something not so good happens to me. I ain't so happy anymore. So when people are talking about, oh, I just want uh, my children to be happy. Um, oh, I just want to be happy in my life. They're not talking about being happy. What they're referring to is contentment. They want to be content. And contentment is consistent and it lies underneath everything else. It's always amazed me when I've heard stories about 
people who have committed suicide to find out what they were doing the day before or maybe the days leading up to it. And in many instances, these folks were at parties having a good time. In fact, there's one example specifically that's in my head, but I don't want to give the details of that. But the person was at a party, spending time with friends and family, clearly having a good time. They were experiencing happiness that evening. And that whole evening, they knew what they were going to do the next day. And then they later uh, killed themselves. So clearly, a person can experience happiness even when they're not content. Isn't that interesting? They're experiencing happiness, but below the happiness, there is no contentment. Instead, there's dis great discontent. You starting to see the difference between happiness and contentment? Now, on the other hand, a person who is content, who is genuinely content in their life, can experience moments of anger and sadness uh, that comes and goes. Like I say, these, these surface feelings kind of come and go throughout the day. So a person who is genuinely healthy and content, it's not unusual for that person to uh, experience moments of great sadness. But what is below the sadness? Contentment. It's a sense of overall peace and contentment with life, happiness or joy with life. And then above that, on the surface, you're experiencing these moments of ha happiness, anger, uh, frustration, and regret, and those sorts of things. So that's the difference. Now, why is it important to know the difference? Well, it's important to know what it is a person is really pursuing in life. If they think they're pursuing happiness, what does that translate into? It translates into buying a new shirt every day, buying a new car every two years, never being satisfied to live in one place. Oh, this house isn't enough. I need, I need more. You see, they're searching, what they're really searching for is contentment. You, can you see how a person can confuse the two things? In the work that we're doing, that I'm uh, trying to help you to do, to escape uh, emotional disorder and experience authentic, good emotional health, am I trying to get you to a place where you're just happy all the time? No, that is not the objective. But the objective is to find authentic con underlying contentment, where a person is experiencing contentment all the time. And up here, they might experience anger, frustration, sadness. But below it all, they live on a foundation of contentment. That's what we're trying to do. Um, when a person understands that, they realize that the house I live in is not going to bring me that contentment. The amount of money I have in my bank account is not going to bring me that contentment. It might bring me happiness for a minute or two. It's not going to bring me contentment. It's contentment people are really searching for out there in the world, not happiness. You see, they think it's happiness they're searching for. That's why they're going into debt. That's why they're always dissatisfied. As soon as they've got something new, it lasts for like a day or two, and then they're searching for the next thing, right? That's why people are getting married. The marriage doesn't bring them underlying contentment. It makes them happy for a year or two, if that. But then they're searching for the next partner. 
because that partner didn't bring them what they were looking for. So that's, a, that's the discussion for today. The, it's important to sit and think about what the differences are between underlying contentment and happiness. People think they want happiness. That's not really what they're on a quest for. They're on a quest for contentment. Happiness is nice. You know, like I went to the ball game this weekend uh, and I was happy for two hours. But I leave the ball game and then real life is still there waiting for me, right? If, my, if I don't have contentment, if I'm not experiencing contentment, I leave the game and the happiness is gone. That positive feeling is gone. The beautiful thing about contentment is that um, you can be angry, you can be frustrated, you can experience a rainbow of emotions throughout the day, but you have that solid foundation of uh, whatever happens in my life. Beneath it all, I'm a, I'm a content person. I can take uh, lots of different things in my life and experience lots of different emotions throughout the day, but, but beneath it all, I'm content. So that's to start the conversation. Tomorrow, what we're going to talk about, let's see here, is people not even knowing that they're not happy. That's an interesting phenomenon. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about people not even knowing that they're not happy, that is to say, content. So yesterday, we talked a little bit about the differences between happiness and contentment. And we talked about how often, almost all the time, when people think they're talking about happiness, what they're actually referring to is contentment, and how contentment is much more consistent. It lies beneath all of these uh, surface emotions that we experience day to day, and how a person can either be experiencing a foundation of contentment, or they can be experiencing a foundation of great discontent. And so picking up today's conversation, what, we, what I wanted to talk about was people not even knowing that they're not happy, that is to say, content. I see this all the time on social media. Uh, there was one person in particular I saw here recently. I happen to know uh, the turmoil and the strife that this family experiences on a regular basis, just how disordered the, the whole family is. Uh, it's somebody I know. It's not somebody, it's not a last symptom person. You know, it's not somebody who follows my work or anything like that. What stood out to me is that in all of the pictures on her social media, She's there with her kids, and they're all pretending to be overwhelmingly happy. All of the pictures are of, you know, joyful family things that you expect to see from healthy families. They're pretending to be happy. They're presenting almost like a, a Hollywood-type illusion to the world that they're happy because they believe that that's what you do. You know, they're, they're playing a role of happiness. And on some level, they secretly believe that that's what real happiness, you know, contentment, is. That it's just people pretending to be happy. These sorts of people, either knowingly, well, uh, what I'm trying to say is either consciously or unconsciously, they believe on some level that that's what real happiness is. It's just people pretending to be happy. 
They don't know the difference between pretending to be happy and actually being happy. But I happen to know just how disordered the family is. And what is the only reason that a family is disordered? Where do we, what, what is at the root of emotional disorders? Misery, misery with self, the way that they perceive themselves and their worth. That's where all the misery comes from. So you got a family, they're miserable as individuals, and because of this, they're miserable as a family. People not knowing that they're not happy. And uh, it kind of sticks out, these sorts of things kind of stick out to me like a sore thumb these days because I used to be that guy. I grew up in that, in exactly that type of family. When I was growing up in my family, I thought we were a happy family. I, I, I thought that my family was the model of what families, what happy families are. But here's the thing, and it's what makes my work really difficult sometimes when I'm talking to other people. It's that you just don't know what you've never had your eyes opened to before. You don't know what you don't know. Things that you've never had anything to contrast your norms with. You know, so if a family believes that they're happy, if a person believes that they're happy, again, we're talking about contentment, underlying contentment, but they've never been truly happy. They've never experienced the harmonious nature of emotional health and approaching life in an emotion, in emotionally healthy ways, approaching, approaching relationships in emotionally healthy ways, perceiving people as people, having the right understanding of the nature of feelings and where their value, the nature of where feelings get their value. The, the true nature of where people as individuals get their value. My neighbor is mowing grass right outside my window at nine o'clock at night. So I'd like to kind of go out there and beat her over the head with her riding lawnmower, but I won't do that. See, I'm content, but right now I'm not happy. <sighs> that lady, I'll tell you what, she's got a real hard on for mowing grass. It's just, she just cannot wait to get out there and mow grass any time of day, any time of the week. The grass does not even have time to grow, and I'm not kidding you. It, it, it doesn't even have time to grow. So anyway, what I was saying was that uh, my work can be very difficult because people don't know what they don't know. They, they've never had a healthy standard to contrast their lives with. They, they, you know, it's true that all families bicker, and all families have friction. Uh, this is quite different than families who are inherently disordered in just the very nature of the way that they view uh, themselves, they view feelings, they view relationships and the way that they understand how relationships are supposed to work, where value comes from, uh, where uh, the value of feelings comes from, the very nature of what that is, the very nature of the value of people and what that is and how that affects the way that you interact with other people. That's a whole, that's a disordered family. That's a whole different thing than just the natural friction that occurs in all families. So people not knowing that they're not happy or that is to say content, very strange phenomenon. And when you're trying to talk to a person, you're trying to help a person who is trying to recover from a 
an emotional disorder or to escape emotional unhealth, it can be difficult to try to convince them you're not happy, you're not content. When they're saying, oh, of course I am, of course I'm content. And, uh, and here I have to say, you know, you think you are, but it's only because you've had nothing to contrast your norms with, your understanding of the world with. It's so much better when a person is healthy and they're understanding the very subtle natures of things like relationships, feelings, the nature of worth. I'm kind of getting off on a rambling thing here. The lawnmower fanatic over there has just completely ruined my train of thought, but you get what I'm saying. People not knowing that they're not happy. So I wanted to have that discussion with you. It goes along with yesterday's conversation. And it's meant as, a, as an opportunity for reflection. Tomorrow, what we're going to discuss in this part three of this discussion about uh, contentment or happiness is how to know if you're not really happy. Since, since people who are unhealthy don't have anything to contrast their idea of happiness with, or their idea of contentment with, because they've never experienced the real thing. What are some tells to help people determine if they may not be truly happy? There are some important tells. We'll talk about those tomorrow. I apologize for the unsmooth nature of this orange slice. Like I said, I had got this lawnmower fanatic right outside my window. I can't concentrate. So we'll talk about this. Uh, we'll finish this conversation up. Tomorrow, we'll discuss the ways that you can tell if perhaps you're, you only think you're happy, but you're not really happy. That is to say, content. Monday, we talked about uh, the difference between happiness and contentment. Yesterday, Tuesday, we talked about people not even knowing that they're not happy. And today, we're going to talk about 20 signs that you are not really happy, even if you think you are. Number one of the 20 signs that you're not really happy, even if you think you are, you don't catch yourself more frequently thinking about and feeling thankful for or grateful for the small positive things in your life than you spend time thinking negatively. Number two, other people's preferences, when they're different from your preferences, annoy you or make you angry. Number three, you're not content being settled for very long. So as soon as you accomplish something or have bought something that you thought you really needed, it's not long before the pleasure of it wears off and you're craving something entirely new or different. Uh, I have an example of that. My ex-wife Diana and I had just bought this house, had just spent the entire summer uh, renovating this house. I'd put so much work into this. Uh, I think a year passed or two years and already I was making plans in my head to sell that house, move out to the country and start a, uh, a sport dog breeding or a you know sportsman dog breeding program and, and a kennel. I had this come up with this great elaborate plan to, to sell the house, move out in the country. The house that we had just spent so much money and time investing in and, and making ju just right. Number four, irritable seems to be your default mood. So think about walking around with a toothache. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. 
Think about walking around with a toothache and the way that this would affect your interaction with other people. So you're irritable all the time, you bark at people, and it's almost like you're walking around with a toothache. If that is your default mood, you're not a truly content person. Number five, you're rarely on time for things. Number six, there's more friction and disharmony among your friends and family members than there is harmony and peace. If that's the case, you're not really happy, even if you think you are. Uh, number seven, you're a compulsive spender, or you're bad with managing money. Your credit is in shambles, not because of poverty or you know the inability to work or anything like that, but rather for reasons that uh, you could have avoided. Number eight, a large part of your choices in life are made with an image in mind. That is, you make decisions to impress or appeal to other observers. So for example, the clothes that you purchase and wear, the girlfriend or boyfriend that you decide to get into a relationship with and allow to be public knowledge. You know, there might be a, a perfect uh, individual there, a very nice individual. There might be great chemistry, but you say to yourself, uh, my, my guy friends won't think she's pretty enough. Or the girl says, uh, uh, he's not tall enough. Uh, he won't uh, present uh, the right type of image for me. How about the social activities you seek out? The, fr the friends that you allow other people to associate as being your friend. Uh, or the people that you do not allow others to associate as being friends of yours. How many times have you passed up potential friendship opportunities with genuinely good people because you worried that they would damage the social image that you want to project? I did this in my past. I truly regret it. Uh, there was a friend of mine. His name was Mark. And I went through this period of time where I thought, Mark is too young. He's not cool enough. Um, he's hurting my image. And uh, I really betrayed Mark in uh, some unfortunate ways. I mean, when people would ask me about, hey, where's Mark? Uh, I began to speak disparagingly of him. Like, how do I know? I don't like him and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'm saying these things not as a person who's being judgmental about it because I myself uh, know many of these things from firsthand experience. So that's number eight. A large, a large part of the choices in life that you make are made with an image in mind. You're trying to appeal to some imaginary observers uh, or you know the people in your social circle, circles. Number nine, the image of yourself, your friends, or your family that you display on social media is meant to present an image of happiness and idyllic life that does not reflect the reality you deal with behind closed doors every single day. That one reminds me of a story that was in the news, I think it was last year, about some social media influencer who has this huge following. She and her dog apparently have such this cool relationship and she's known as being this, uh, this person who loves her dog and everything and people uh, all around the world subscribe to her channels and stuff like that. And apparently she uploaded a video where um, she did not edit out a part in that video 
where the dog was doing something she didn't like and she started hitting the dog. And it, then she uploaded it by accident. So here's this person who's presenting this image of being, oh, I love my dog. I love my dog. It's just the greatest dog. Everybody else loves her dog and loves her. And here she is beating up her dog <laughs> off camera. So that's number nine. The image that you project on social media does not in any way reflect the reality behind closed doors. You're presenting this happy family. Your kids are always smiling and laughing in all the pictures. But at home, behind closed doors, that's, that's the um, exception rather than the, the rule. You know, t typically your kids are miserable and crying and arguing and stuff like that. And you're screaming. You're not, oh, come here, honey. Let me clean up that milk you spilled. No, you're, she spills the milk and you're freaking out and screaming. Uh, scandalous and dramatic. Uh, number 10 and 11 might sound contradictory, but they're not. Number 10 out of 20 signs that you're not really happy, even if you think you are. Number 10 is your children are generally, are generally misbehaved, loud, and unruly. And number 11 is your children are unusually shy, quiet, fearful, and withdrawn. Sounds contradictory, doesn't it? But it's not. A genuinely content, healthy family. Their kids will be right there in the middle. Won't be generally misbehaved. I say generally misbehaved, meaning uh, misbehaved more often than they're behaved. Loud and unruly. They won't be that. And they won't be unusually shy, quiet, fearful, withdrawn. They'll be right there in the middle. Confident, poised, well-behaved. As a rule, not all the time, because they're kids. Uh, number 12, you have no organized routines in place in your life. Everything is chaotic and sort of done off the cuff. For example, you don't have regular times when you eat. When you do eat, uh, you regularly make, make it up on the spot regularly. Make it up on the spot without any plan or forethought. So no routines in place. You just wake up and you just kind of go off the cuff with everything. Number 13 out of the 20 signs that you're not really happy, even if you think you are. You frequently have feuds going on between you and other people. Number 14, when somebody angers you, you cut off contact waiting for them to initiate an apology rather than you yourself initiating contact to discuss the issue calmly and to explain to them, that they've upset you and why you found it so upset. When you give people this cold, silent treatment, you are determined to carry it on for years or until the end of time if necessary, as long as the other person does not come groveling to you to make it right. It's a sign that you're not a happy person even if you think you are. Number 15, you listen to a lot of angry music with a lot of angry messaging. Number 16, you spend more time thinking about what other people are doing, should be doing, or should not be doing, than you spend time looking at yourself, trying to fairly identify your own flaws and correct them, if they are correctable. Number 17, you don't easily pause to consider context 
in any situation. For example, if somebody you know, or even a celebrity, let's say, out there in the news or uh, the gossip columns, if somebody you know or even a celebrity does or says something that you disagree with, you are quick to feverishly condemn them completely without ever taking time out to remember when you yourself have said things that you later regretted or how your very own opinions on various things have evolved over time or how many people have disagreed with some of your own views and opinions, but that those people at least respectfully heard you out and you appreciated that. They treated you with respect even though they disagreed with you and allowed for your right to have those views and opinions. So do you see what I'm saying? You don't pause to say, I can totally identify with that, the, the situation that person is in. Maybe in 10 years they won't have that same opinion, but, it, but whether they do or not is uh, irrelevant to the fact that they have a right to that opinion, and nobody has a monopoly on right or wrong when it comes to matters of opinion. Yeah, it's a human thing, right? Number 18, you're secretly harsh and critical of yourself, and because of this, you're also harsh and critical of others. Number 19, although you're secretly harsh and critical of yourself, you would never allow those around you to know it because it would contradict the illusion you have created of yourself to observers. You see, you're driven by a secret fear of, allow, of allowing others to perceive any of your insecurities. Number 20, your tendency is to try to control your environment and the things in your environment, other people, like your children, for example, expecting them to behave or answer in prescripted ways that you have in mind. Events, the weather, the way certain things play out around you as you envision them, even though they're entirely out of your control, your tendency is to try to control everything in your environment. So this is just a list that I sat down and pulled off the top of my head. There are, of course, a thousand more things that we could add to this list. And in fact, later, I will probably regret that I didn't switch a few of them out for other things. But that's all right, because I'm an imperfect person. And tomorrow, we will talk about why the people on this list are not happy, that is to say, content, for real, even if they think they are. And finally, Friday, we'll talk about what healthy, happy people are like in contrast to this list and why. This week, what we're talking about is happiness and um, more specifically, contentment. So not just being happy, but experiencing uh, a true underlying sense of contentment with life. And uh, yesterday, we talked about... Uh, 20 signs that indicate that a person is not really happy, or that is to say content, even if they are convinced that they are content. So if you haven't seen that, go back to yesterday's Orange Slice and watch it. I don't know what happened with the, the collar and the kind of the image quality of yesterday's Orange Slice. Uh, I was having some technical problems, but when I 
uploaded it. It did not look like that to me, so I'm sorry. It's the information within that orange slice that is most important, not how good the image looks. Today, we're going to talk about why, why the people that we talked about yesterday are not really happy, that is to say content, even if they think they are. Remember yesterday I told you to think about the irritability that a person might be experiencing uh, in general, like them having a toothache. Remember that? Well, you can think of it like them having a toothache or like them having a pebble in their shoe. If your default mood is irritability, there's an underlying reason for that. And that underlying reason is like an irritation that is not being identified and corrected. It's amazing to watch. It's just like somebody walking around with a pebble in their shoe or with like a toothache. You can predict their behaviors and their lashing out and stuff almost the same as if you were looking at a person who has a toothache or a pebble in their shoe. Now, in this case, when we're talking about emotional health, it's not a literal pebble. It's not a literal toothache. But there are underlying causes that are making them miserable, and they don't even stop to realize that. Dissatisfaction with self plays a very large part of it. After you hear this orange slice, you're going to want to go back to yesterday's orange slice, the previous orange slice to this one, and go through that list, that list of 20 things. And I want you to imagine the reasons that I'm giving you now. Imagine the person we're describing with these reasons in mind, and it, will, it, should start to, uh, it should start to click into place for you. You should start to see the relationship between these two things without me having to go through and one by one explain how they are connected. Dissatisfaction with self. Person is dissatisfied with themselves. They don't like themselves. This translates into the type of behaviors and attitudes that we described yesterday. Do you remember we talked about uh, an inability to control one's environment? I said that if you, if it is your tendency to try to control your environment, then you're not really a happy person, even if you think you are. Why is that? It's because an inability to control one's environment, when one believes that they should be able to control their environment or that the environment and players within the environment should do the things, should do everything the way that an individual, uh, the unhappy individual wants it to be, this can only give birth to great dissatisfaction, not contentment. When one lives with the uncon unconscious attitude that the environment should do what they want it to do and be the way they want it to be, but the reality is that the environment is completely out of one's control, always has been, always will be, what is the only thing that this can give birth to? Dissatisfaction, dis deep discontentment. Will we ever be able to control our environment, the world, the universe, other people? No, of course not. So what is the answer to eliminating this frustration? Is it trying harder to control our environments? No, that's not the answer. 
The answer is acceptance. It's acceptance. It's letting go of that desire. And like the Beatles say, letting it be. What is the only thing we can control, by the way? Us, ourselves. That's the only thing we have any power. That's the only thing we have any power over, and can affect any type of control or behavior or uh, outcome with. Another reason why the people we talked about yesterday are not really happy. The why is because they, these types of people, have a poor understanding of what being a person means. It's very subtle, but it's true. They have a poor understanding of what being a person means. They don't know what being a person is. They don't understand what that means. And because they don't, this warps the way that unhealthy people view others and view relationships. So if your attitude reflects an aversion to other people having their own likes, dislikes, opinions, preferences, needs, and so forth that are not in line with yours, if this bothers you, it's because you don't see people as people. That's the bottom line. You don't see people as people. You see people as suppliers or deniers of your own wants and needs. They, everything exists for you. They're, it's an extension of your wants and needs. That's not the reality you're living in. It's the reality. That's what you think the reality is, but that's not the true reality you're living in. It's impossible to perceive other people as individuals while at the same time having an aversion and a dislike and a, a rejection or, or a, a reluctance to allow for people to have their own likes, dislikes, opinions, uh, and so forth. Because that's what individuality is. That's what being a person is. You see, unhealthy Unhappy people view others as suppliers or deniers, as I've already mentioned, existing primarily for the unhealthy, unhappy person's own needs and wants. And that is not harmonious with truly viewing other, others as individuals. That perspective and the reality of people being individuals is totally contrary. That attitude, those perspectives, are totally contrary to the reality that everybody, all people are individuals. And finally, the reason why the people we described yesterday are not really happy, that is to say content, even if they think they are, is the misperception of concepts like worth and value when it comes to feelings and people. The only sorts of people who walk around with the attitudes and the behaviors that we described yesterday are people who view human value and the value of feelings as something that must be granted or earned. If you have a healthy person who knows that feelings just do have value, that does not have, nobody has to agree with those feelings, I might feel something entirely different. I may not even understand why you feel that way but your feelings still have value, and I know that. I know that the value does not come from me understanding why you feel that way or me agreeing that the feeling is appropriate for any particular situation. Also, the worth of human beings, the idea that a person 
can have more value as a person or less value as a person depending on what they've got, how pretty they are, how ugly they are, how many friends they've got, how much money they've got. That's, uh, that is reasoning based on distorted, unhealthy perception. And it can only, it can only give birth to discontent, not contentment. Healthy people, on the other hand, know that human value is consistent because it's an inherent aspect of being a person. Again, that's tied into a person's a poor understanding of what being a person even means. So these are some of the reasons why the persons, the 20 reasons we described yesterday that would indicate that a person is not truly content even if they don't know it, even if they think they are content. Today, we just described the reasons why, why. So tomorrow, we're going to wrap up this conversation about happiness. We're going to talk about where contentment comes from, and I think you're going to like it. I hope you folks have a wonderful Thursday. Hello, everybody. It's so nice to see you here on this beautiful Friday morning at 11 o'clock. Yeah, let's just pre- we'll pretend that it's Friday morning, 11 o'clock, for me right now while I'm recording this. In all seriousness, it is very wonderful to have you folks here. Uh, we're going to finish up this discussion that we've been having all week about genuine happiness, that is to say, contentment, uh, not the happiness that most people think that they're looking for. You will have noticed, this is probably going to go a little bit long today, but that's all right, because there was not an episode of The Last Symptom Podcast this week. And why wasn't there? Now, what is it I always tell you folks that your primary responsibility is? Your primary responsibility is to look out for your Emotional, mental, physical, and I don't often include it because I don't want to alienate people, but spiritual needs first, right? In any situation, that's what you got to do. You've always got to be thinking about your emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. But if you're an atheist, you can pretend I, pretend I didn't say that. Needs first. And so uh, this week, um, I put so much effort into this discussion this week in, in these orange slices about uh, genuine happiness that Thursday come around and I was exhausted. Now, let me tell you what else I've been having going on here this week in addition to one-on-one consults with people and that sort of thing. I've been doing a major overhaul of my studio area here. I'm going to do some painting over here. But you'll see in the background there, everything looks different. And that's not the finalized way things are going to look. I'm thinking about doing maybe a baseball theme. And for a portion of it, you can see I got my baseball glove back here. I got some baseball stuff. I have, uh, in the next few days coming, this is a splurge that I made for myself. It's an autographed baseball by Charlie Manuel. Anybody from Philly knows who Charlie Manuel is. He was the coach uh, who won the 2008 World Series for the Phillies while I still lived in Philadelphia. So that's going to go right back here on one of those shelves. Now, here's another thing I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about, since I'm doing a lot of these videos now, and the background there is going to become a kind of a standard set, I've been thinking, offering an opportunity for those of you who have been following the last symptom for a while and who have benefited from the last symptom 
for you to get some identifying thing that I could put up on the wall back there for you. For those of you who have, you feel that you have progressed dramatically in your emotional health, in your personal improvement efforts, in your re- authentic recovery from emotional disorders like borderline personality disorder, I thought maybe I could put a star back there or a, a patch or something on the wall. I'd like to know what ideas you folks have for what I could put back there to honor the people, the members of The Last Symptom who have benefited from the work that I do so that when I do these orange slices, you know, a mark of yours could be back there that I could add to. What do you folks think of, of that idea? I'd like to hear. Please mention that in, uh, in the comments here on thelastsymptom.locals.com. The shelves are not going to change but the things on the shelves are going to change. And actually, I've got a, a baseball plaque kind of uh, thing that's going to go over my John Wayne plaque. The, 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 the interesting thing is that because of the wood stove in the wintertime, that wood stove gets very hot. So I can't move anything closer to the stove that might be flammable or anything like that. So the John Wayne sign is metal and the sign that will go above it is also metal so beyond the shelves there only metal things can go on the wall nothing that can melt or that can be flammable because that stove gets very very hot anyway today we're talking about we're finishing up our discussion about happiness right contentment and I promised you we would give a contrast uh, what healthy people are like and why they're like that. So, as I said, I think this is going to go a little bit long, but I hope you guys don't mind. There was no Last Symptom podcast this week because I was tired. I needed to take a break. So let's go through the list of 20 signs you're not really happy, even if you think you are. And now we're going to go through the list considering a healthy person and how they would be instead. It'll be nice. We said that a an unhealthy person, a person who is not health, uh, who is not help, happy, even if they think they are, uh, more frequently thinks about negative things rather than feeling thankful or grateful for the small positive things in their lives. Well, that's an easy one. A genuinely happy person, a content person, spends much more time, much more time, thinking about and feeling thankful for and grateful for the small positive things in their lives, then they spend thinking negatively. Healthy, happy people, truly content people, it's not that they don't ever think negatively. They think negatively less often than they think positively. They think negatively less often than they're thinking, I'm thankful for what I've got. I'm thankful for these small things. jamming my mouth full of a hamburger. God, I'm so happy that I can just be here and enjoy a hamburger. They're thinking that way much more often than they're thinking negatively. Number two on the list of things that uh, would make a person unhappy even if they don't know it. Uh, Other people's preferences, when they're different from your preferences, annoy you or make you angry. What would a healthy, uh, authentically happy person be like by contrast? Other people's preferences, when they're different from your preferences, would not annoy you at all or make you angry. 
Number three, unhappy people aren't content for being settled for very long. You know, as soon as they accomplish something, they buy something, a little bit of time passes, they're ready to go on to the next thing. The old is done. It's done. It's boring. It's, uh, it's the past. They're, they're, they need something new. So what would a healthy, truly content person be like? They get settled. They're, they're happy to be where they're at. They don't get restless. They might make plans. They might think about all sorts of possibilities that exist, but um, they don't get restless from a sense of being discontent with what they've got. And number four, we said that irritable seems to be the default mood for people who think they're happy but aren't really. And I said, think about walking around with a toothache or a pebble in your shoe. People who are genuinely content, genuinely happy, they're not walking around like they've got a toothache or a pebble in their shoe. They're walking around pleasant. They're pleasant to people. And it's not from a social obligation. It's that they feel pleasant. And so they treat you pleasant. Number five, you're rarely on time for things. If you think you're happy, but you're not really. A genuinely happy person is on time for things more often than not. Not all the time because we're people and there's unforeseen circumstances. You know, you can drive out there thinking that you got plenty of time and jump right into traffic and it just stalls. So there are things out of people's control. Even happy people are going to be late from time to time, but not as a rule. They're not going to be late as a rule. Uh, number six, there's more friction and disharmony among you and your friends or family members than there is harmony and peace if you think you're happy but not really. Well, now, again, that's an easy one. A person who is genuinely happy experiences more harmony and peace among friends and family members than they experience disharmony and friction. Again, we're not talking about Adam and Eve here. We're talking about all of us are imperfect, so even truly content people will experience some friction from time to time among friends and family members, but it's, it's the exception rather than the rule. Number seven, you're a compulsive spender or, you or you're bad with managing money. Um, your credit's in shambles, not because of poverty, but for reasons you could have avoided. What's the difference between that person and the, the healthy, truly content person? The truly content person is not a compulsive spender. You see, they're not trying to, f to plug a hole. They're not trying to fill an, an empty void. So th there's no compulsion to spend unnecessarily. Now, if you want more information on that, you want to listen to The Last Symptom Podcast, Season 3 episode, I don't know what, but, the com but it was a special episode, and it was about money and uh, financial responsibility. And I explain all the reasons behind why a person is bad with money and, and those sorts of things. Number eight, a large part of your choices in life are made with an image in mind, trying to appeal to or impress other observers if you are unhappy but don't know it. The friends that you choose to be seen with, the boyfriend or the girlfriend that, that you're willing to... Uh, acknowledge in public as being your boyfriend or girlfriend. Now, what's the difference between the uh, unhealthy, unhappy person and the healthy person? The day that I recorded that, I was wearing 
Red Sox apparel. I was wearing Red Sox, a Red Sox jersey. I was wearing a Red Sox hat. And you might say, well, Barnett, weren't you thinking about your image? What people were going to see you wearing and that sort of thing? Yes, that's, it's a natural thing. It's a natural thing to want to be seen you know, well, you know, in your best light. That's not what I was talking about when it comes to unhealthy, unhappy people. They're driven by that, you see. They go to such lengths to present an image that is far removed from who they really are. They're so ashamed of anybody knowing who they really are. Um, the Red Sox jersey and the hat did not cover up who I am in the video. In the video, I'm still presenting myself. And yes, I did dress up like that. I dressed up like that to, uh, to kind of support the, the Red Sox and, and show off my pride for the Red Sox. But not to present an image of myself that is not real or um, to try to appeal uh, to people who uh, I think otherwise would not like me or anything like that. Uh, it wasn't a false representation of myself. Also, I talked about my friend Mark, about how much I regret my betrayal. My, it was a real betrayal toward my friend Mark, where I, we were good friends. And then people would st start coming up to me and saying, hey, how's Mark? And I'd be like, I don't know. Uh, what would I want to do with him? Yeah, ugh, you know, Mark, he, he, I, here's the thing. I felt like he was too dorky for me. I, th I felt like he was too big of a nerd, and he was hurting my image. And yet, Mark was my friend. And I truly regret that I caved into that and that I betrayed him that way in the interest of, you know, climbing some imaginary social ladder. So uh, people who are genuinely happy, they don't do that. They don't betray people like that. And um, I regret that I did it in the past. Number nine, the image of yourself, your friends, or your family that you display on social media is meant to present an image of happiness and idyllic life that does not reflect the reality you deal with behind closed doors every single day. Now, here's the difference between the person who, is, who thinks they're happy but is not really and the person who is genuinely happy is that the genuinely happy person doesn't even feel like any compulsion whatsoever to even present a false uh, image. I hope that everybody understands that you don't have to put things on the internet. Like, if your family is miserable, you might have been wondering this when we talked about this. Well, what am I supposed to do? Like, if my family is miserable, am I supposed to put on pictures up there, my kids crying and my husband screaming at me? And No, you don't. Nobody has a right to your private life. So why not just not put any of that up there? Have you ever thought of that? If your family is miserable, your kids are miserable, everybody is miserable, you don't have to put up pictures to create a narrative that your family is perfect and happy. You also don't have to put up pictures, period. Just put up some pictures of yourself. Going to a baseball game. You know, being at a restaurant with your friends. Leave the other stuff out. You don't have to put up those pictures at all. 
you don't have to create any narrative. People who are truly content are not, are not creating a narrative. They're not trying to create any narrative. They're not sharing their entire life with anybody. They're not sharing every detail of their life with anybody. But they're also not trying to create a narrative. So if the truly content person is going through some things in their life that they don't want the whole world to know about, they just won't put it out there. But they also won't try to create a totally opposite narrative. It's a total lie to the public. Because a truly content person recognizes that what goes on in your family life is your business. It's not anybody else's business. You don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe them a peek behind uh, your private life. Maybe that's surprising to a lot of people, that that is uh, the direction I took to talk about that. You, whatever you share about your private life is totally voluntary. It's not owed to anybody. Your neighbors don't deserve to know anything about your personal private life. So an emotionally ha a content person, a healthy person, who's dealing with some stuff, would just say, I'm going to keep that to myself. Nobody else deserves to know about that. I'm going to keep it to myself. What I'm not going to do is try to present an entirely opposite narrative that's not true. Why, why would I do that? The only reason I would have to do that is if I care what other people think, and I don't care what other people think. They've got their own problems. I know that those people on my Facebook list or my MeWe list, which is better than Facebook, um, their lives are not exactly as they're presenting it either. Number 10, your children are generally misbehaved, loud and unruly. And I said that it might sound co contradictory to 11. Your children are unusually shy, quiet, fearful, and withdrawn. I said it's not a contradiction because... Truly happy people are right there in the middle. Their kids aren't confident, only misbehave from time to time because they're kids, which is normal, but not as a rule. And uh, they're also not shy, quiet, fearful, and withdrawn. That's one of the things I'm most proud about with my daughter, who's five. She's very confident. A lot of the things with my daughter, I look at her, I see just what her natural way is when she's out in the world, and I say, I'm doing that right. I'm doing that right. I can tell. I can just tell just by watching my daughter. The way that she is, the way that she interacts with the world, I know that I'm doing my job right. If there's anything that needs to be tweaked, again, I watch my daughter. Why did she hesitate there? What was she afraid of? Maybe I need to uh, sit and, and emphasize something to her that, that I was lax in communicating to her uh, as a parent S to try to get her right there in the middle. Uh, one thing I just love about my daughter, well, I'll tell you this story. The other day, uh, I was moody, and I got stressed out. I was trying to juggle two dogs, two cats who were trying to run through the door, and my daughter, who was trying to get out the door. Now, I have this one cat 
His name's Walden. And every time the door opens, he wants to run right out the door because he was a street cat. And he um, he's ready to run out there. He's very sly about it. Love that cat to death, by the way. But my daughter left the door open a little bit too long, and I saw the cat trying to get out. I got him back in. I said, honey, you got you to gotta shut the door. You got to shut the door. You can't just stand there and leave the door wide open. And she looked at me, and she said, Dad, Dad did I do something wrong? I like that. I like that. It snapped me out of the kind of this irrational anger I was getting into. And I said to her, oh, no, no, honey, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm just stressed out trying to juggle all the pets and you and an open door. That's all there is to it. It was just very touching to me. My daughter's so, such a good girl, and um, she's so confident and so um, proactive with life that she didn't try to figure out figure out what was wrong with me. She just addressed it. She said, "I'm I'm going I'm just going to address this. I, I need to figure out what's going on with my dad right now. Daddy, did, tell me, did I do something wrong? If I did something wrong, just tell me what I did wrong." And um, it snapped me out of that kind of stressed out, mindless state. Number 12, you have no organized routines in place in your life. Everything is chaotic and sort of done off the cuff. I mentioned eating. You, you know, when you go to eat, you just kind of make it up as you go. Genuinely ha- healthy people live by routines. It's a major shift that I noticed with myself going from living with borderline personality disorder to ridding myself of borderline personality disorder, I have routines. Now, I'm a night owl. I am a lifelong, irredeemable night owl. I do my best work at night. It's always going to be like that for me. If I try to, if I try to um, change my schedule so that I go to bed at like 9 o'clock at night, what happens is that I will begin waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's my internal clock. And I've just come to respect that, that that is just part of who I am. I am a night owl. There's no denying it. If I try to fight against it, the only thing that happens is I start waking up way earlier than I ever intended to. And that, so there's, there's two options for me. I can go to bed very, very late and wake up at a reasonable time in the morning, or I can go to bed What's for, for what is for me is very early and then begin waking up way too early. So you see, I just got to recognize and respect who I am and work with what I got. So I'll go to bed at uh, one, two o'clock in the morning and then I'll wake up at a reasonable, normal time that most people wake up in the morning. If I were to go to bed at like nine or 10 o'clock at night, I would be waking up at 4, sometimes 3 o'clock in the morning, and my whole schedule is shot. So I'm not saying that your routine has to be standard in order to be happy. And by the way, it's not, that's not the way it works. The way it works is that happy people have routines. It's not that you make routines and then you're happy. It doesn't work that way. What we're talking about here is Happy people naturally do these things. 
So if you're just a naturally happy person, this is what it translates into. It, it doesn't work to do it in reverse. In other words, I'm just going to imitate all these things that happy people do, and I'll be happy. doesn't work that way. But what I'm saying is that if you get happy, these are the things you will begin seeing in your life naturally. And one of those things is that you will naturally have routines in place in your life. They don't necessarily need to be traditional routines like, oh, I go to bed at 9 o'clock and I wake up at 7. And they can be unorthodox. But a happy person still has routines, even if they're unorthodox. Number 13, you frequently have, frequently have feuds going on between you and other people. Healthy, happy people don't do that, obviously. I'm thinking about my family. Number 14, when somebody angers you, you cut off contact waiting for them to initiate an apology rather than you yourself initiating contact to calmly explain to them that they've upset you and why you found it so upsetting. It can carry on for years or until the end of time as long as the other person does not come groveling to you to make it right. Now, when I went to get <clears throat> my second Moderna shot for COVID, I told you I run into my cousin, Georgie. Hadn't seen him for 10 years. And we talked all the way up to the door. We had these masks on. We didn't know who we were talking to. Got up to the door and I said, man, you, you seem familiar to me. He pulled down his mask. I said, Georgie, it was my cousin. It was my first cousin. We grew up together. Now, let me tell you something about Georgie. He is involved in a feud that has been going on for 25 years. 25 years. It involves my mother, actually, and his mother, uh, some uncles of ours. And I stayed out of that feud. It was, an, it was an embarrassing to me. It was childish. It was stupid. But my mother is still involved in that feud. And Georgie is still involved in that feud. Now, I will say that uh, one of our uncles got beat up. Uh, somebody was driving too fast through the neighborhood. My uncle went out there, hey, there's kids in here, and started screaming at the guy. And the guy pulled over and got out and beat my, <laughs> my uncle to a bloody pulp. And Georgie was telling me about that, and he said, you know, he said, here's the way I look at that. I'm allowed to feud with my family, but people on the outside are not allowed to feud with my family. That's an Appalachian thing. That is an Appalachian thing. If that makes no sense to you, I don't blame you, but it is an Appalachian cultural thing. Think the Hatfields and McCoys. The Hatfields and McCoys, by the way, which are the famous feud, uh, happened just uh, 30, 30 minutes from here. That's the, back, that's the background. Anyway, uh, do you think Georgie is happy carrying on these feuds for like 30, 40 years? No, he's not happy. He's not ha Nobody in my family is happy. Nobody. I'm happy. None of them are because they cling to these things. They, they, they don't do any self-analysis. Number 15, you listen to a lot of angry music with angry messaging. Why is the only reason a person would do that? They're not happy. Number 16, you spend more time thinking about what other people are doing, should be doing, should not be doing. Then you spend time looking at yourself, trying to fairly identify your own flaws and correct them if, if correctable. Do you think George would be happier if he did that? Yeah, he would be happier. 
Number 17, you don't easily pause to consider context in any situation. I remember a guy one time, I was driving in Philadelphia, light turned red. I saw a sign that said, left end, uh, left lane ends. And I was passing a truck at the time. I saw the sign, left in lane ends. So I, I stepped on the gas, got ahead of this guy. I went under a bridge, and as soon as I got under the bridge and I got cut in front of him, there was a red light that I could not see from way back there. So what did I have to do? I had to, I had to screech on my brakes. Now, how did all of this appear to the guy behind me now? It appeared to him like I just drove in front of him, cut him off, and then slammed on my brakes. Now, that guy was pissed. He was angry. He followed me down the road for miles, trying to, trying to wreck us both. He was so angry, he was trying to wreck us both. And I could barely blame him. Because if somebody had done that to me, I'd be angry too. But what was the guy not taking the time to consider? He was not taking the time to consider the extenuating circumstances that I found myself in. He was also not taking time to, cons to put in the context the times where he himself had done stupid things like that. Do you see? Do you see how that would make him a happier person? If he had said, all right, why, would, why did this guy do this to me? Oh, okay, the bridge. Now it's starting to make sense. But I'm still angry. But let me take a minute to consider and remember times when I have done stupid things to other people that I did not intend to do. If he had taken time to consider those two things and put that whole scenario into context, <clears throat> would he not be a happier person? Yes, he'd be a happier person. So we really need to do that. We need to get into the habit of pausing and putting things into context. I talked about uh, people you know are celebrities spouting off opinions that, that piss you off. Are you able to stop and say, well, I don't agree with that guy. But he has a right to feel the way he feels. He has a right to his opinion. And I have certainly had opinions that have evolved over the years. So maybe his opinion will evolve over the year, years. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's very, I don't think, I know, it's very unhealthy, this modern tendency to go back 10 years and, and dig up people's uh, tweets and posts on social media and then um, completely cancel them and condemn them for, for those things. Um, no matter what your political or ideological philosophy is or side that you imagine that you're on, politics and ideology is not my interest. Uh, emotional health and emotional unhealth is my focus. And I can tell you right now, people doing that are not emotionally healthy. People going back 10 years, digging up something that was said on Twitter in a, a three-line paragraph, and then condemning a person 10 years after they said that, that person's not, first of all, they're not authentically happy. 
even if they think they are, but they're definitely not healthy. Because in 10 years, we'll dig up something that they've said, and they'll wish they hadn't said it. I promise you. Moving on. Number 18, you're secretly harsh and critical of yourself, and because of this, you're also harsh and critical of others. It is interesting that the healthiest people and the happiest people are the ones who are not harsh and critical with themselves, and because they're not harsh and critical with themselves, they're also not harsh and critical with others. They would be the people who would look at a tweet like that and go, that was 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago. Let it go. Let it go. Let's see what they said here in the past six months. That seems more reasonable. Number 19, although you're secretly harsh and critical of yourself, you'd never allow those around you to know it because it would contradict the illusion you've created of yourself to others. You're driven by a secret fear of allowing others to perceive any of your insecurities. I don't know how long you've been following the last symptom, but how often have I revealed my insecurities to you folks? Every day? I mean, you, you folks see me on camera. Every day I reveal my insecurities to you. Uh, if you've been listening to the last uh, Symptom podcast, that's three years I've been revealing my insecurities to you. Secure people are not afraid to reveal their insecurities. Sounds contradictory, but it's not. Number 20, your tendency is to try to control your environment, other people, uh, events, the weather, the way certain things play out as you envision them. Do I need to explain that? Content people, truly happy people, I like the Beatles. Just let it be. Everybody else, everything else is the weather. It's going to do what it wants to do. It's a waste of time for me to try to control the weather. It's a waste of time for me to try to control other people. So what is the only option I got? To sit back and observe. Oh, she did that. Well, I wouldn't have done that, but, but that's what she did. Okay. Here's the way I'd like world events to play out. Oh, they didn't play out like that. Well, okay, I'm just an observer. I never had any control over that anyway. So, so what have I lost out on? <laughs> I... If I know that I've got no control over it, and then it doesn't turn out the way I want, okay. I never believed I had any control over that anyway. I, I always knew it was just going to do whatever it was going to do. It's like the weather. So here's the thing I want to finish up with. I know this is going very long, but uh, contentment. You remember... In the beginning, when we had this conversation, we discussed the difference between happiness and contentment. And I would like you to think about the word contentment for a second to close. When you think about the word content, what do you think about? What do you think about when you think about the word content? Let me ask you this. You order a pizza you don't get the pizza you ordered and somebody says to you, listen, I know you didn't get the mushrooms that you ordered, but can't you be content with this? You see where I'm going? 
what does the word content imply? How about this? I know that <clears throat> that you imagined that by the time you turned 40, you'd be living in a, uh, a really big house out in the country with horses. But, you know, the house you're living in now, it's really not that bad. Aren't you content with what you've got? What, what, is the, what is the notion that the word content is painting? It's painting this idea that things aren't exactly the way you would like them to be, that you would prefer them to be, but they're fine enough. Are you beginning to see where true contentment comes from? It's not from having everything we want. It's not from everything being exactly the way we want everything to be. It's with contentment. True contentment comes from going, it's not exactly what I preferred, but it's good enough. It's good enough.